Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It's Wednesday, January 27. I'm Tom Tilley. And in today's briefing, we're going to talk about the job seeker payment, which used to be $40 a day before the pandemic. And it's going to go back to that amount in nine weeks unless the government does something about it. So will the Prime Minister come good on this statement? We expect the new job seeker rate will be lower than what it is right now, uh, but it should be higher than the old new star rate. So over a million people are hoping that payment won't revert to the old amount. Taking it back to what it was before the coronavirus supplement is a sanction to poverty for basically everyone who's receiving benefits now. So time ticking on the job seeker payment. That's our briefing topic in just a moment. First, let's get into the news and Jan Fran's here to talk us through it. Well, Australia Day celebrations and protests have taken place right around the country. Thousands of people marched in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide, Canberra, among others. Um, It is difficult to gauge exact numbers, but crowds in major cities were estimated to be between two and 4,000 people. Yeah, police said the protests were mostly peaceful. Only a handful of people were arrested, including five people at a rally in Sydney's Hyde Park, as well as two so-called Proud Boy counter-protesters in Melbourne. Yeah, last night, Sydney organiser Ian Brown told the project that a change of the date is inevitable. I feel like there's going to be a part of a generational move, you know, and I may not see it within my lifetime, um, but my kids might and my grandchildren might, you know, so that, that gives me hope. Yes, I think he does have a point there when he says it might be part of a generational move. Uh, We brought you a story earlier this week with a poll, an Ipsos poll that found that while only one third of people supported changing the date, half of Australians aged 18 to 24 backed the move. So there is a bit of a difference in opinion with the generations there. The Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, believes that for better or for worse, January 26 is a date worth remembering. We do it on this day when the course of this land changed forever. There is no escaping or cancelling that fact. For better or worse and worse, it was the moment where the journey to our modern Australia began. That was Scott Morrison there. Uh, It has only been a national public holiday since the 90s, so it will be interesting to see where it goes from here. Turns out that the controversial decision to give Margaret Court the nation's highest honour was done because Rod Laver got one five years ago. Yeah, gender equality, essentially. Um, Members of the council that made her a companion of the Order of Australia yesterday spoke to the nine newspapers and they said they did it because the best women's player deserves the same recognition as the best man. Yeah, so Margaret Court's appointment uh, sparked some significant public debate because of her stance on LGBTQI issues, among them opposing same-sex marriage and supporting gay conversion therapy. Yeah, and yesterday a number of prominent Australians refused their own Order of Australia awards in protest against Court receiving the honour. That included artist Peter Kingston and veteran journalist Kerry O'Brien, who told NITV the system's broken. My problem in the end is not so much with Margaret Court as it is with the system that made a judgment that she deserved the highest civil honour in the land, which many people will take as, and would rightly or not, will take as an endorsement of those views which are so hurtful and so harmful. I think the controversy around Court is that so many of her opinions are just so grossly out of step with the Australian population. I do wonder if these awards will... I suppose, continue to get politicised. They are political awards, um, whether you'd like to think of them like that or not, but continue um, over the course of the next few years, especially given the reckoning we're having around Australia Day and whether the date should change. Yeah, it was interesting that they said they were in in between a rock and a hard place. They could give her this honour and 
you know, know that they'd get a backlash over her, her views as a hardline Christian, or they could basically be accused of sexism because Rod Laver got the award as well. And um, she had very similar achievements, actually won more Grand Slams, 24 Grand Slams. And they, when announcing it, said that it was just for her tennis. It wasn't for her pastoral work. And the Order of Australia she got in 2007 was for her tennis and her pastoral work. And scientists say that our pets may need to get the COVID-19 vaccine too. Wow, I wonder where they fit in on the list. Probably Um, down the bottom? Last, I would say. (laughs) I love them, but last. Yeah, academics from a British and an American university have written a journal article warning that as the virus continues to evolve, it could be transmitted to animals and then back to humans. Yeah, so at this stage, transmission from pets to people hasn't been a problem. But last year, Denmark's government culled millions of mink after revelations that a local outbreak had actually come from them. And in other COVID news, the World Health Organisation has recommended that pregnant women don't get the Moderna vaccine unless they're a frontline health worker. Yeah, they're waiting for more evidence to ensure that it is completely safe for mums and unborn babies. And in other interesting news as well, our studies have found that the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines will protect against the new, more transmissible and deadly strains of the virus. And doctors in Queensland are on high alert after traces of COVID-19 were found at seven sewage sites. Yeah, the fragments were discovered at Townsville and Cairns South. Um, That's despite Queensland and Victoria and New South Wales reporting no community transmissions for over a week. See, this is what terrifies me, is that on paper we don't have any COVID cases. Mm. In sewerage, we do. So what is going on exactly? Well, yeah, and that's that's why they pushed the the testing so hard. So obviously... um, I imagine they'll be trying to ramp it up in those areas. Yeah, yeah, and they'd need to do that to get a gauge on exactly what those numbers are. Meanwhile, Australia is still restricting travel to Kiwis. Our authorities made the quick decision to pause the one-way travel bubble after an NZ woman tested positive to the more deadly South African strain of the virus. Uh, The 72-hour pause period will end tomorrow at 2pm. Yeah, and the New Zealand Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, says she's told Scott Morrison she was disappointed by the sudden closure. But also just acknowledged uh, that if we are to enter into a uh, trans-Tasman bubble, we will need to be able to give people confidence uh, that we won't see uh, uh, closures at the borders that happen with very short notice. Ah, New Zealand just getting folded into our border kerfuffles. That's how we work here. We make snap closures. Get used to it. All right, Jan, we'll catch you tomorrow. Annika is jumping into the briefing studio as we take a look at the looming deadline on JobSeeker. It's now crunch time for the $40 a day debate. For decades, New Start, the basic dole payment, has been around that figure, which has become harder and harder for people to live on. For years now, people have been calling for that to go up. It was doubled during the height of the coronavirus, but in nine weeks' time, it's set to drop back down to the old rate. Yeah, so with that deadline looming in nine weeks, the debate will rage about the right level of support here. Too low and people can't survive, too high and people aren't incentivised to get back into work. So it's going to be interesting to see what's the government going to do, what should the government do about the basic new start payment. 
That is today's briefing topic. The best form of welfare is a job. Could you live on 40 bucks a day? I could. I could live on 40 bucks a day. New start goes up um, on the indexation that has been in place for, for many a year. We are committing $130 billion over the next six months. We need to ensure that those emergency measures move with the recovery that is underway. Now's not the time to be cutting support. So there's some key moments of the debate. Annika, before we speak to people directly affected by this policy decision, what is the backstory here? Look, there's been a lot of payments announced in the past year, but back in March, the government committed $130 billion to support people that were out of work. Now, that came in two ways. First, there was $90 billion, so that was the largest chunk. That was towards the JobKeeper subsidy. So that was when your employment went into, I guess, hibernation during COVID. But they also boosted the new start rate and they changed the name to the Job Seeker Payment. So for unemployed Australians before the pandemic, it was about $275 a week or about $40 a day. But at the height of the crisis, they boosted it to almost $80 a day. Now, these measures were meant to be temporary and we've already seen them start to taper off. And January 1, that base rate has already dropped. It went down to about $715 a fortnight. But as you say, in nine weeks, it's actually just meant to finish. Labor, welfare bodies, business groups, they've all been calling for this to actually go up for years now. Even a handful of coalition MPs have suggested that the rate is too low. That includes Scott Morrison, who said this in October. We haven't been prepared to put a number on it. We expect the new job seeker rate will be lower than what it is right now, uh, but it should be higher than the old new star rate. Okay, so that's Scott Morrison himself in October saying that it should be higher than the old rate. But what's going on? We still don't have a figure or a commitment. No, look, this is something governments grapple with. One of the biggest problems is this will probably have to be changed in Parliament and you need Parliament to be sitting for that to happen. It is back next week, but we've had a fairly lengthy break And there's a lot of people, 1.3 million people actually, who will really want to know what the government are going to do about this. Yeah, well, Freya's one of them. She's a 24-year-old law student. I don't think that the payment should ever go back to what it was before. It was difficult enough to live on as it was, almost impossible actually. (laughs) And so taking it back to what it was before the coronavirus supplement is a sanction to poverty for basically everyone who's receiving benefits now. It changed a lot in the ways that I was able to afford the bare minimum as I should have already been able to on the welfare payments without the added stress of wondering if my health insurance was going to be cut off or if my rent wasn't going to be able to be paid or if I could even pay my bills. I still check my bank account every single morning and make sure that there's enough in there for everything coming out and that my rent's paid and everything like that. I go to sleep thinking about my money in my account. I wake up thinking about it. That was Freya. Um, Another person living this is Bain. He's 36 and lives in Adelaide. Well, honestly, I feel like the current situation is a bit of a letdown. The whole concept of being able to have these, this larger payment, which meant that, you know, I could afford fresh fruit and veg for the first time um, was, was a bit of a godsend. And now to have that stripped back to $40 a day, it's it's not just uh, food that's going to affect uh, my life and living situation, but it's also medical care. So the Prime Minister did say in October it will end up being more than it was, but we don't have a concrete figure yet. Is, is the uncertainty part of the problem here? 
Absolutely. The uncertainty causes uh, a lot of stress for myself and, and friends who are in a similar situation to me. It affects uh, my mental well-being, for, for one thing. And just not knowing is such a terrible situation to be in. We contacted the Government Services Minister, Stuart Robert, and Anne Rustin, who's the Social Services Minister, to come on the briefing and respond to the concerns of people like Bain and Freya, but they couldn't make themselves available. One of the strongest voices advocating for those people is ACOS, the Australian Council of Social Services, and they've been arguing that $40 a day is nowhere near enough for years. Uh, Charmaine Crow is a senior policy advisor at ACOS. Charmaine, thanks for joining us. What do you think of the current uncertainty about the new Newstart payment? Oh, it's very concerning that the government hasn't made clear its plans for JobSeeker beyond the end of March. At the moment, uh, the higher income support payments that literally millions of people have been relying on as a lifeline uh, are scheduled to end at the end of March and payments are to revert to what they were before the pandemic hit, uh, which for JobSeeker payment, the unemployment payment is just $40 a day. For youth allowance, it's even less at $33 a day. Charmaine, the Prime Minister has said that the JobKeeper rate should be higher than it was in the old New Start rate. So why don't you believe him? The JobSeeker payment that goes to people who are unemployed is due to go back to 40 bucks a day uh, at the end of March. At this stage, there are literally millions of people who are expecting that to happen because the, the government has not come out and said they will permanently lift these payments. We, of course, have seen the higher rates of payments, the higher rates of income support gradually cut uh, since they were first doubled back in April last year. Even on the 1st of January, right after Christmas, right as we entered the new year, payments were cut by another $50 a week, which sent people back to very much below poverty level income that they were receiving. Until the government comes out and makes an announcement about a permanent adequate increase to these income support payments. And to be clear, we are calling on the government to increase JobSeeker by at least $25 a day so that people do have enough to make ends meet. People will be uncertain and insecure because they do not have um, that commitment by our, our federal political leaders. So where do you get that number from of $25 extra a day? Because clearly the, the balance here is about you know, an amount that people can survive on, but not too much that it disincentivizes people to get back into work? Well, the proposal that we've put forward to government would still see that anyone who was receiving those payments would be better off in paid work, providing they were paid at the minimum wage, whether they were doing one day a week or five days a week. Our income support system is such that payments taper off uh, the more you earn, and we're not suggesting that that change. Someone on JobSeeker under our proposal would still be better off in paid work, paid at the minimum wage, compared with what they were with just receiving income support. Do you think there's any rate at which, I guess, there is a disincentive for people to look for work? Can it be set too high, in your opinion? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, if you set income support at um, an average wage in Australia, then, you know, that would probably act as a disincentive to work. I don't think that we can argue against that. The key thing here is that um, we need to have a safety net in place that actually supports people to cover basic costs should they find themselves without paid work. Uh, Treasury is not expecting unemployment to go back to what it was for some time yet. 
And the reality is that we are literally going to have millions of people who uh, are relying on these payments for some time to come. Uh, and it's critical that those payments cover basic costs so that people don't have to starve themselves whilst they try and find a job. Um, what we're proposing is that it would be to lift payments up to about $470 a week. That is just above the poverty line. And yet it's well below what the minimum wage is so that there is that incentive to take up paid work, providing it is paid at the minimum wage, of course. And we do hear some heartbreaking stories about what people are having to give up whilst living on these payments. I guess the flip side of that is how the economy handles the increase that it would cost. So the Parliamentary Budget Office estimates that it would cost $4.8 billion a year more to increase that payment permanently by $95 per week. Now, you want it to go up by more than that. So what gets cut? Where do you think the money should be found? Well, we also know that uh, increasing these income support payments is one of the best ways to stimulate our economy. Uh, Deloitte Access Economics did some uh, excellent research late last year that found that removing the higher income support payments as they were and removing them entirely would come at a cost of some $31 billion to our economy. It would cost the equivalent of 145,000 jobs across the country over a two-year period. And that's because people on unemployment payments, on student payments, are literally spending every cent uh, that they're receiving in their local communities, which is keeping local economies afloat. So I think we also need to recognise the cost that is incurred to um, small communities, especially in rural and regional areas that uh, are literally um, relying on these higher income support payments because of the, the extra dollars that they're injecting into those local economies. But in terms of being able to afford an increase uh, as part of our budget, for many years, our social security system has seen cash after cash after cash. And ACOS at times has supported some of those cuts where it took, uh, where it cut income support that was going to people at the higher end of the system. But we were also made it very clear that any of those savings should be injected back into the system to support people at the lower end. And we just have not seen that year after year. Yeah, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, I imagine, for people who live this day by day, Charmaine. Um, you know, this debate's been raging for years. Even John Howard's weighed in saying that it should go up. So that's the debate about the amount, but also just the, the way this has played out in COVID, where all of a sudden the government could find, you know, billions of dollars to support people in need, which is what people like you have been calling out for years. And it looked like it would, you know, stick around this increase. The Prime Minister made that statement we touched on earlier in October saying it should be more than it, it was, but we still don't have a concrete amount or a concrete promise. What's that uncertainty of policymaking like for people living this? Oh, it's obviously really distressing and, and quite frankly tragic for so many people across the country who just don't know what their futures hold. I mean, the government absolutely made the right decision by doubling income support last year. It was clearly the right thing to do. And we are urging them to not undo all of the good work that they did last year. So this is why it's so important that the government announces a permanent adequate increase as soon as possible uh, so that people aren't left in the lurch and 
know that they will have an adequate income beyond March if they're unable to find a job by then. That was Charmaine Crowe, Senior Policy Advisor at ACOS. Uh, Annika, you mentioned before that Parliament's about to go back. So how do you see this issue playing out? Do you think it'll get a lot of focus? Look, one thing about Scott Morrison compared to previous Prime Ministers is you do get an indication of where he's going to go. And I think in October when he said it wasn't going to go back to the old rate, I tend to believe him. We saw Premiers come out recently. Daniel Andrews has said something on this. The National Party are really strong on this. So I do think the government are going to act. But as you say, nine weeks is not a lot of time. Um, We do have three of the four weeks in February, though. Parliament will be sitting. So you'd have to think they'd get a fair bit out the door and at least start to make some indications of what they're going to do in this space. All righty. Tomorrow on The Briefing, the investigation and then the capture of the man they're calling Asia's El Chapo. A major drug arrest happened in the last week. We'll tell you all about it. A Podcast One production.